The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus put before the crowds a parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in, with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables. Without a parable, he told them nothing. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth and speak in parables. I will proclaim what has been hidden from the foundation of the world. Then Jesus left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man, the field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will be thrown and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let anyone with ears listen. The Gospel of the Lord. Here we have yet another example of Jesus uh, giving a parable, then also conveniently explaining it for his disciples, too. Um, 
Fortunately, in the Mass, we've got all kinds of mysteries that we can reflect on. At every Mass, right after the consecration, after the bread and wine become the body and blood of our Savior, the priest says, the mystery of faith. We started reflecting last weekend on how the Mass stirs us to explore the mysteries of our faith. God's love, forgiveness, and mercy, his wisdom, the ways he transforms suffering and death into life, why he allows certain evils to continue, even how the bread and wine become the body and blood of our Lord, are all mysteries we're stirred to ponder in the Mass. So it's helpful to take a moment to purposely consider the mysteries of our faith, because when we come to church, these mysteries may not be the first thing on the mind. We all come with minds filled with worries and stresses, concerns and other thoughts that pretend to be more real than what we celebrate here. But the mysteries of our faith and who they are about are eternally real, and focus on these mysteries is important. A game or puzzle works best when players focus on the mystery to be solved, and it's difficult to imagine any huge breakthroughs being made without, uh, without having some inventor or scientist having at least some focus on the work of discovery. So that's what we do here. The Mass is filled with all kinds of reminders of the mysteries of our faith, and we are blessed by what we see and hear in this place. Before ordination, both Father Darlington and myself and, and all priests spend some time in seminary, a kind of school where men who wish to discern a potential call to the priesthood go. In addition to attending classes, those in seminary will receive regular spiritual direction and have different experiences that hope to help discernment. A man in seminary will a man will be in seminary for about seven to nine years before being ordained. A long time, especially for those like myself who might not especially like school. It's a long time, but that's what it takes to be properly prepared. We expect those to serve us to be properly prepared. Good intentions are important, of course, but preparation is essential, too. Before going for surgery, a patient will want to know not just that their surgeon has good intentions, but that their surgeon is properly prepared. Even before inviting a technician into your home to repair the air conditioner, you want to know that they are prepared for the task. To face the mysteries of our faith in the Mass, we want to be properly prepared too. So at the beginning of each Mass, there's this part called the introductory rites. It's that part of the Mass that starts with a hymn and finishes when we take a seat to listen to the Word of God. It's easy to dismiss this first part of the Mass because... For the most part, it doesn't change much. We know what to expect. There's very few surprises. But just as an athlete will take time to warm up before a race, often using the same set of stretches, this introductory part of the Mass, 
Those small rituals at the beginning of our worship help us to warm up before facing the mysteries of our faith. We begin with a hymn and procession to help align our minds and hearts. Outside of this place, so many things work to divide people. Everything works to capture our attention in every direction. Our shared hymn aligns our voices and reminds us of our shared faith. Although only a few, like the priests and servers, may join the procession to the front of the church, all stand as a way to join the procession, and everyone's attention is directed to the altar, the focal point of our celebration. As we make the sign of the cross, we're reminded of a few things. First, we're reminded of our worth, our value in God's eyes. We're reminded that we're loved enough that God is willing to die for us. Yet this same love is so strong that through the cross, death itself has been defeated. We're also reminded of our identity. Through our baptism, we have become adopted sons and daughters of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We then get to an unusual greeting. The Lord be with you, the priest says a few different times during the Mass. It's sometimes difficult to notice God's presence with us, especially during difficult times, during times of fear and worry, and during times when we might be down on ourselves. In these moments, it's easy to forget that God is with us. So we begin our celebration here with a simple reminder that we are not alone, but God is with us, offering his blessings. We move to the penitential act, that part where we say, Lord of mercy, Christ of mercy. It's a moment to be honest with ourselves and recognize that we are here in this place, not because of that we are so great, but because we're not yet and need God's help to become so. It's a moment that we recognize that we are in this place simply because God has invited us to be here. We move then to a moment to give thanks for that, for that invitation in the Gloria, the glory to God in the highest. We hear those same words that the angels said to the shepherds on that first Christmas. When the shepherds first saw the angels, they were terrified. They knew that they were unworthy of, of, uh, of having an encounter with God. But the angels instead told the shepherds that they had no reason to fear, and instead every reason to be full of thanks and praise to God. Something special was about to happen. Likewise, we know something special is about to happen in this Mass, and so we take a moment to give thanks to God for welcoming us into this place. Then finally, just before sitting and hearing the Word of God, we offer up a prayer, recognizing that this is a place where we have continued to develop a relationship with our God. We offered Him prayers for ourselves, for the needs of others, and we ask that that seed of faith within, within us would be properly nourished. These last three steps there, that penitential act, that Gloria, and that opening prayer says to God, I'm sorry, I'm thankful, and I pray for. It's a model that we might, might uh, adopt for any of our prayer, especially for those who maybe find prayer to be difficult. 
but can kind of have a, uh, help prepare ourselves for the day, just as we use these moments to prepare ourselves for the Mass. We might pause for a moment at the beginning of the day and say to God, I'm sorry, I'm thankful, and I pray for. Jesus told, told us, tells us many parables using uh, the theme of seeds. And we just ask that these uh, opening moments of every Mass would help prepare our hearts to nourish the seeds of faith within us. God of all, we come before you when we ask through your Holy Spirit our hearts and minds would be properly prepared to receive your gifts. Uh, may we recognize what we do in this place not simply as a set of rituals, but as a way to truly grow and be nourished in a way we cannot be nourished elsewhere. All these prayers we offer in Jesus' name. Amen.